This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College in the City University of New York. For more, visit theannexpodcast.com. So, uh, Gabe, not to make you jealous, but uh, we got back from ESS and uh, had a gr- I had a great time at ESS. It was super fun. I wanted to talk about a panel that I went to. There was this panel that was talking about the future of social undergrad programs. And I went because mostly it's like a mainstay topic at work, right? We're always talking about it. And I had my own views and I wanted to see what they had to say. Maybe I can bring something interesting back to say at Queens College. So it was a very cool panel. You know, they're talking about the challenges facing undergrad sociology programs. And and one of the problems, we got into an exchange and I just wanted to see what your opinion was on this. So we got into an exchange about how to deal with the fact that full-time, in a lot of schools, full-time faculty positions are disappearing. Enrollments are staying the same and what to do about it. I guess this is a reality that neither of you guys are, neither of you three are dealing with, right? Neither of your departments are dealing with. Not really. We aren't having any problems having uh, undergraduate majors or minors. I actually think our number of minors has exploded. We have a lot of students. The the thing with us is that there's an industry-wide transition that's going from full-time faculty to adjuncts. And part of mm-hmm. the way that's manifesting itself is retirements aren't being replaced in a lot of institutions. So there's yeah. like a growing percentage of classes are being taught by adjuncts in a lot of schools, including CUNY. And when you have this situation where you have a big program and shrink, a shrinking full-time staff, you can go one of two ways on this, right? You can try to stay big and do more with fewer people. Like you can do more MOOCs, more jumbos, more hybrid classes, hire more adjuncts. Or you can tighten up the size of your program and train fewer people and get more selective, keep smaller classes and more one-on-one mentorship. So I'm very much in the latter camp. I feel like there's like a distribution of interest among our students. And if we go big, maybe we're shortchanging people who are really into social, you know. But uh, I met a colleague from UMass Ann named Jonathan Wynn, and he had an interesting view that we have kind of an obligation to ensure that we keep our doors open. So more specifically, like we have a moral obligation to be a place for all groups, he said, you know, particularly, but not only because our courses are destinations for students to learn issues of social justice and serve, you know, first generation students and students of color. So his view was that, or at least my interpretation of his view is that sociology even in the face of maybe these staffing issues, has some type of obligation to stay big to make sure that we can serve everybody. Well, that's not true. I mean, at UCLA, like most places, our FTE are loosely coupled to our enrollment. I mean, not the sense of like there's a formula. I mean, it's not like ASA where, you know, for every 50 section members, you get another Mm -hmm. section session or something like that, right? It's much more of like, oh, the dean of social sciences noticed that poli sci has more majors, but three fewer FTE. So he's going to give two FTE to poli sci next year and only one job position. But the reason you talk about FTEs rather than just lines is that sometimes you can split lines with joint appointments. So let's say sociology splits a line with African-American studies and splits another line with comm studies, that would still only be one FTE for sociology. Even Full-time though equivalent, people. that is. 
Yeah, well, you know, the other thing, Joe, you're talking about adjuncts. What we have is I think we have quite a few full-time non-tenure line faculty, mm -hmm. right? We're already a relatively small department, mm -hmm. and I would say that probably about a fourth of our faculty mm -hmm. are full-time non-tenure mm -hmm. line. So these are people with PhDs who work full-time, who have a greater teaching load than tenure line faculty do and get paid significantly mm -hmm. less. And I think that's one of the ways in which an institution like the one I'm at actually is grappling with financial constraints, you know, rather than saying, let's just bring in a whole lot of adjuncts, they're saying, mm, we might not want to actually pay for a mm. tenure line faculty member, but we'll give you a full-time non-tenure line faculty member so that there's more continuity. You have a faculty member who seems mm. more embedded in the department and, and the institution, but we don't know if we want to invest in you, invest in another tenure line faculty member for you, which I think is problematic. Do you think there's a possibility that we're training too many people or that we are a destination major for people who are not particularly invested in the subject? Well, that's partly a question about the counterfactual. So if you imagine that if sociology didn't exist, you know, let's say a tactical nuke hits ASA next year, and, you know, wh where would all these, you know, mm -hmm. first generation college students, students of color, whatever, wh what would they do? If you assume that, you know, they would all become chemical engineers and make 120 grand straight out <laughs> of their BA, then they'd be better off with that. But if you assume instead that they would just drop out, then they're better off with sociology. So it kind of depends what the counterfactual is. And if you assume that they wouldn't be sociologists, they'd be anthropologists mm -hmm. and have exactly the same outcomes, then it really doesn't matter. I also, I think it's a mixed bag. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what your undergraduate majors are like, but... You know, we have undergraduate majors who go on to get PhDs in sociology, mm -hmm. right? And we have ones who go on to top law schools, medical school. I just had one who went to like the number one dental school <laughs> in America. And then I do have students who struggle. Mm -hmm. And I sort of feel like, you know, sociology is the one place that they actually feel like, okay, I can figure I can figure this out. Not because we aren't rigorous, but because I, I mean, I don't know. We we might be more nurturing. I mean, I don't know. Not to feminize sociology. So I think there's that. And then also too, I think there are also tons of students, be they students of color, first generation students, women, you know, people from other marginalized groups, or actually people who come from incredibly wealthy, really kind of, you know, like they've been sort of isolated from people unlike themselves all of their lives. And then they come to college and they're like, wow, this is kind of mind blowing. And I, I, I and that's who I see in my classrooms, this totally mixed bag of people coming to sociology for different reasons. It's funny because that last cluster of students, the ones who it's like, well, they may not be from marginal backgrounds, but they haven't had much exposure. You know, I did graduate admissions a little bit ago. And, you know, there were a couple of students who were basically like, you know, through being a social major, I learned that I hate my parents, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to go to grad school, basically, so I can write a dissertation on I hate you, dad. You know? <laughs> Cats in the cradle, colon. Yeah. You've been listening to The Annex, a sociology podcast. 
For more information, visit theannexpodcast.com. Music is by Lena Orsa. Our production team included Anika Chowdhury and Lisette Moreno. On behalf of the Annex team, I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.